everybody. My name is Alex Barrett and I'm the campus pastor here at Church in the Valley Alhambra. Uh, it's good to be back with uh, all of you. I actually haven't been here since the end of August. I shared with you the last time I was here that I was going on a mission trip to Thailand and I've been and I'm back in one piece. So praise God. Uh, that was a great uh, trip. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it uh, this morning, uh, but it's been good to be with, with all of you. Last week, uh, we weren't here just as an entire church. We were at our Church in the Valley Diamond Bar campus at the Diamond Bar Center there celebrating our 30th uh, anniversary. And so if any of you missed that, that was a tremendous uh, time together. We kind of brought both campuses together to celebrate what God's done uh, the last 30 years, a part of that being what God's done in Church in the Valley Alhambra the last uh, five years. And I, I just have a couple pics to show you. We had a breakfast uh, before there outside. Um, and then the next pick shows uh, the time of, of worship together. And we just had a time of worshiping God, thanking him for his faithfulness at Church in the Valley. And really looking past at all that he's done as we've thrived as a church. And then... We kind of transition to the opportunities before us and how does God want us to thrive uh, as a church as we move uh, into the future. And so today I am going to be speaking on a standalone message called Invest and Invite. And this is really tied to how we at Church in the Valley, uh, why we exist, why we're here. And really this is like the main thing about church life. And so if this is your first time at Church in the Valley or you're relatively new, uh, this will give you kind of a pulse of what we're all about. If you've been at Church in the Valley many years, uh, I hope to, to remind you of what we're all about. And for this to be something that, that we can all focus on and really remember as we, we move into uh, the fall. There is so many exciting things happening, uh, as Ben mentioned them. We have lots of announcements because there's a lot of things going on. And next week we have the grand opening. We have that the coffee connect and we have just all these opportunities as a church to reach out and to share the difference that Jesus makes in a life that is committed to him. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about what that means for us uh, as individuals and what that means for us as a church. And so I want to start, if I may, kind of at the end of life. And, you know, I went to seminary and one of the tips is, you know, you don't always want to start a sermon that engages people. And this is probably not a, a really wise move, but I want to engage you by thinking about your death. Okay. Again, not the most motivating, but it's oftentimes as we look at the end of life, that life itself comes into focus. And so I just want to start off today talking about two questions. Because as we ask these questions, again, it kind of brings what's really important into focus. And so the first question is, as your life wraps up, what do you think your biggest regret in life would be? As your life wraps up, which none of us knows when that's going to happen, but what would be your biggest regret in life? Just think about it and jot, just jot an, an idea down. If you're taking notes, you can write that on the, the sermon notes or you can just think about it in your head. But what would be your biggest regret? Just jot that down.
As I was thinking about this in my own life, some, some things that I thought are common would be, I didn't, I didn't get to do all that, that I wanted to do. There's a sense in which as life wraps up, we have these things that we'd like to do. We have people that we'd like to see. We have places we'd like to go. But the thought of, I didn't get to do it. There's disappointment. For others, it's regret of, did they, did they make enough money? Were they successful enough? Are they going to look back and think, man, I wish I was more successful. Or for others, it's, it's, it's not in material, it's in people. Did they find the love that they were looking for? And each of us, we, we have our own things that we'd be regretful of. However, I'd like to propose that I think the biggest regret that we have in life is not living and not finding the purpose for which we were made. I think the biggest regret for all of us, even as we have little things that we'd maybe be disappointed of, the biggest regret is that our life did not make a difference. Our life didn't really allow us to do the things that really mattered. I think that would be the biggest regret we'd all have. The sense that we look back and the idea of waste. None of us wants to waste our life. But we don't think about it a lot because life is busy. In my own life, I'm thinking of the fall and I'm coaching my son's soccer team and there's all sorts of stuff going on in church life and school starting and all the different things that compound every day. And you guys feel it too in family life and school life and your jobs, all the stuff. But very rarely do we stop and think, what, what am I doing here? Like, what, what is my purpose? But I think that is the most important thing. What is our purpose? So that's the first question. The second question is related to it. If you could know the purpose of what your life is all about, would you want to know it? So if the most kind of regret you'd have is not knowing your purpose, if you could know what your purpose is, would you want to know? That's the second question. What do you guys think? Would you want to know? That's not rhetorical. You can, you know. Right? Most people would. If people want to have a life of meaning and they want to make a difference, if somebody could tell them, well, here's how you make a difference, here's how you find purpose, here's how you find meaning, would people want to know? I think the answer would be yes. Because in view of our entire life, as it's wrapping up, those are the things that are the most important. So today's message is in that, that vein. What is, when it all comes down, when everything is brought into focus, what is the most important thing? And that's what I want to talk about today. Because I think, for me personally, and my hope is for you, there's just a sense in which we need to always remember and come back to the point where we're focusing on what is most important. The reason we exist as a church and the reasons Christians exist around the world is, is to connect with God and to live within that purpose that he's created us. And that, that really includes everyone. We want everyone to find their purpose. The great thing about following Christ is that as you connect with him, it's not hidden from you. As you connect with Christ, you can discover your purpose. And that's the good news. And so I want to talk about that today. God shows us how to find the purpose for which we were made. There's a lot of things that we don't know in life. There's a lot of unknown. But as humans, we can know 
our purpose. We can know the reason that we're here. And there is a certain amount of hope if we remember that. And so I want to talk a little bit about my Thailand trip because it kind of, for me personally, it put everything into focus. I went on this trip uh, two weeks ago. It was a week long. And we spent basically a week sharing with people what I just shared, that the purpose that you can find in God in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And we talked to people in Thailand. Uh, Thailand is predominantly Buddhist, probably about 90% Buddhist. And they worship Buddha and they live a life based on karma and trying to do more good than bad. And they hope in the end that that would be true. And so we were in different scenarios, talking to different people, talking about their religious background. In Thailand, you actually talk about religion a lot more openly than you do in America. It's not taboo at all. It's, it's a part of their heritage. It's a part of their identity. And so they're, they're happy to talk about it. And so we'd have conversations. And, it, you know, my name is Alex and I'm from America and we're here to learn more about Thai culture and to share about American culture and to share and help people learn English. And so we'd engage in these conversations and it would start with getting to know the person. Then we'd ask them, what is their religion? And that was like the second question. And I can't tell you how like kind of weird that felt. It's like, hi, my name's Alex. What is your religion? You know, because we're just used to this. Like you have to have a certain amount of space and time for which you like talk to people about this kind of stuff in America. But there, you, you know, you just you talk about it. And so they'd share about what it means to be Buddhist. So then we talk about sin and what do you do with sin and how do you account for sin? And how do you know if the sin that we've all committed, how do you know if that's been paid for and what's the penalty of sin? And so we'd have all these conversations. And then I would answer like, wow, thank you for sharing. Could I share you, share with you about what I believe? And I'm a Christian. And we'd ask the people, have you heard of Christians? And do you know there are so many people that have heard of Christianity but have never met a Christian? And there's people that have not heard about Jesus. So then the question is, would you, would you like me to tell you about him? And you know what they always said? Predominantly of the time? Like, yes, please tell me. And it was this exchange of ideas. So I want to share with you what we shared with them, because what we were sharing is, is what life is all about. And this is found in the Bible. A Christian is somebody who has realized certain realities about life. And so I want to share this with you to kind of frame the purpose for which we live. And there's like an illustration on the screen. So I'm going to kind of move to the side here. It's based on an acrostic of Lord. A Christian is somebody who's made Jesus the Lord of their life. The word Lord there, it really means like a boss. So to find your purpose in life, the Bible points you to, the, the only way to do that is, is through following Jesus Christ. But it begins with God and his relationship to us. And so the, the first L in Lord stands for love. The Bible says that God loves you and wants you to experience abundant and real life. So this is what I'm sharing in Thailand. Let me tell you about what it means to be a Christian. God loves you. He's the creator. He is the king. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Again, I'm talking to people that have never heard of Christianity before. But I'm tapping into the purpose for which they're made. 
God needs you to have a relationship with you. But the bad news, and this is the O, we've all gone our own way. But rather than turning to God, every one of us began to sin. I love this illustration. It just reminds like, talk to the hand. Like, remember, you know, old school, like, just talk. That's what we do to God. This is, this is what sin is. Because of sin, we, God, just, I don't want anything to do with you. You want a relationship with me out of your love, but I don't want anything to do with you. That's called rebellion. We rebel against the God who made us. Every one of us began to sing, began to sin, going our own way, trying to be our own boss. And that is the condition in which we all find ourselves. God wants a relationship with us out of love. We don't want a relationship with him. We want to be boss. We don't want him to be boss. And that crosses all culturals, all culture, all backgrounds, all experiences. That's the condition of sin that has plagued humanity since Adam and Eve. The first humans, they sinned. The result of this, you go to the next one, the R, is our separation from God. The Bible says sin has cut us off from knowing God personally. So God, as you can see on this, this canyon right here, out of his love, he wanted the relationship. But because we've gone our own way, sin has separated us. And so now the relationship is broken. There's a great divide. It's a cliff. And part of this divide is, is because of sin, sin brings death. Because of death, there's a penalty to sin. And in Thailand, when you talk about sin, and you talk about if God is king, and you ask a Thai person, what happens if you sin against the king? There's a great picture. As I was talking to, to somebody in Thailand, they just said, and I said, that's exactly right. So what happens if you sin against God? The same. It's, it's death. Spiritually, we're, we're dead because of sin. Because if we're independent, we want to be our own boss. The result of that, the Bible says, is, is, is death. And so we're dead spiritually, and we're actually in bondage to the enemy. So you can see, with God, the relationship, eternal life and freedom, our own way is spiritual death and bondage. We're, we're now captive. We think in our independence, we get what we really want. We think by being our own boss, we get true fulfillment, we get true meaning. The Bible, the reason it's so important, is because the Bible tells you that's actually the opposite. The very life you want, and you choose independence, you get death. And the very freedom you want by choosing your independent, you get slavery. That's the message of Christianity. You're here isolated by yourself. This is where we all are without God. Every single one of us. We're on this side of the canyon by ourselves. The good news is, and this is the best news in all of the world, is that our destiny can change. And that's the last part. To remedy the situation, God sent Jesus Christ who died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and was raised from the dead. Since sin brings death and there must be a payment, Jesus came to pay the payment. And he lived a perfect life. He did not sin. But since payment had to be made, Jesus took the payment. And you could see that he is the very bridge from this side to our side, from where God is to us. If you ever wondered why Christians talk so much about Jesus, it's because we realize a Christian is somebody, the only way you can get back to God and experience eternal life and experience the freedom that he brings is through Jesus Christ. Because here's the picture. If you're on this side, 
and spiritually you're dead, can you jump back to God? Can a dead person jump? No. There's no hope. But oftentimes, because we're independent and we're isolated, we don't even think and don't even value a relationship with God. That's what sin is. We don't need him. Look at our country. We don't need God. Look at the world. We're self-made. We're independent. But the truth is, we cannot have a relationship with God without Jesus. Because we're dead. There's no way to get back. We cannot bridge the gap. And so through Jesus Christ, that life, eternal life, and real life in this life can be found. So people ask me, how was the mission trip? And that's my answer. I got to share that every day with numerous people. To people that have never heard this good news. Because here's the deal. If we're all honest with ourselves, we, we've all experienced this. The lostness, the isolation, the feeling alone, being cut off from the life that God wants for us. Without God, we're, we're all here. And deep down, if we're honest with ourselves, no matter the success, no matter the hope that we think we have without God, if we're really honest, we know we, do, we don't have it. We don't have the life that God wants. We don't have the meaning. So when I speak of the regret, the biggest things that we have, we all know. And so the last question was, do you, do you think, this is what I, do you think this is possible? Again, this is to people that have never heard this before. Do you think this is possible? Is this believable? And so many would just process for the first time, I, I'd have to think about it. And others would respond, I, I believe it's possible because... Somebody has to pay for the sin. So you could begin to see already God working in the hearts of people that were hearing this for the first time. And what's so interesting on the trip, what I realized is what's so stark and one of the differences I found is, is in Thailand, people are idol worshipers, right? There's idols everywhere and they pray to, to gods and they try to go to these temples and, and pray to all these different gods and you see these idols everywhere and it's, it's stark, like, wow, they are worshiping something. And since God made us for a relationship, we all, we have this need to, to worship something. We have meaning. God created us in his image and so we're different than all of creation. We have this sense of how do we find this meaning. But in America, as I came back, I realized we worship the same idols not the same exact ones, but we, we all worship idols and it's, it's independence, it's individualization, it's success. It's our family, it's our spouse, it's our kids. We all have these things that take all of our attention and define who we are. So, the question is, if this is true... Is this the best news that anyone could hear? If this is true, should this impact the way that we live? So I want to spend the rest of our time, and if you've not yet committed your life to Christ, and this is the life you know right here, 
And then, you know, some days that you, you feel good about this. But if there's other days where you just feel like, you know what, I'm not really tapped into the life as I thought it should be, or it's not life as you want it. If you have a sense that you'd like life on the other side, as a church, the reason we're here is to help you cross the bridge from death to life. We want to help you become a Christian. That's what a Christian is. They've crossed over. They were on this side and they've crossed back. And so if you've never done that, you can, on the back of your connection card, you can mark, send me info about beginning a relationship with Jesus. If you've never done that, we'd love to help you learn how to do that. And we'll follow up with you. If you have done that, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what, well, what does this mean for us in the way that, that we live? The reason is, is if this is true, if we're Christians and this is true, then it, it means certain things about the life that we live. And so I want to share that. Uh, there's a few promises connected to this in John 5.24. If you could put that up. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's the scriptures. That's the truth. So if you believe Jesus, who he said he was, and he came and he died for our sin to pay the penalty for our sin and our rebellion. If you believe in him, you cross back from death to life. And in the scriptures, as you dig in, the, the other picture is this is something that we cannot earn, right? Because dead people, we're dead spiritually. We can't jump. We can't earn. We can't work. We can't do better. We're dead. We're dead spiritually. But in the scriptures, you find that the gift of Jesus is based upon grace, not works. Ephesians 2 says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no... One may boast. This is the, the central message of Christianity. We are lost and broken because of sin. But because of God's love for us, we don't have to earn it. We don't have to try to please God on our own effort. Jesus has done that. Jesus is the only way back to God. So, what does that mean? So that's the next question. So what does this mean? Well, that means then our life's purpose, back to purpose, is to know God and to make him known. If you could go back to that last picture of the, uh, the bridge there with Jesus right here. And this is like a full screen, and so it keeps hitting my eyes, and I'm trying not to get blinded. But right here, this is the purpose for which you're made. If you follow Christ, you now are somebody who's crossed over from death to life. Your purpose in life is now to live as somebody who's crossed over. You live life with God, and your life exists to know Him, to spend time with Him. Because He made you for this relationship. And even though the relationship was broken... He loved you enough to restore it through Jesus. And so we're supposed to live as people on the other side. We live as the people who've crossed over. And so our, our life's purpose is to, to live there. 
But as somebody who lives on this side, we don't just live for eternal life. Life here has meaning. And a big part of the meaning that life has is as we live as the people who've crossed over. Our goal is to look back at the people who have not. And our life exists to tell them about how they too could cross over from death to life. That's what it's about. We live on this side, full of life, in a relationship with Jesus Christ because of the payment he made for our sin. But we don't do it just facing forward. We do looking back at all those who've yet to cross over. So our life is to know God, to live for him, and then to help people cross over from death to life. Can you, can you picture that? I know this is just like an illustration, but can you picture that? I found a, an image that I want to show you. And life as a Christian, let's say, is, is you, you've crossed over and you're on this side. But when you look at this and you think over here, let's say this, this mountain was was crumbling and it was being destroyed and everyone on that side was going to die. Would you tell them to cross over? You would, right? I would. How would you tell them? If this mountain was destroyed on the left side, what would you say? And how would you say it? We don't think in terms like this, right, in spiritual things. But in real life, if somebody was in danger of being destroyed, there would be this urgency to help them cross over. When a spiritual sense, this is happening every single day. There's people that are living their life on the other side. And they have no idea of how to cross over. Because the Christian message is actually something that you cannot intuit. It'd be so easy if people could look at you and say, like, you're a Christian. And just by looking at you, I want to be a Christian. Wouldn't that just be the easiest? It doesn't happen like that. They actually have to be told. And it says this in, in Romans 10. And here's the promise again. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Bottom line, if you believe in Jesus, you will be saved, period. doesn't matter what you've done. God knows your sin. But because you haven't earned it in the first place, you can't lose it based on what you've done because it's based on Jesus. So everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But check out these following verses. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So how can they call on Jesus if they don't believe he's there? Right. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? So to believe, you have to know who he is, but to know who he is, somebody has got to tell you. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, this is the part as America, like where you just pre oh, preaching. We don't preach. Actually, the word here is, is you proclaim. There's this like public proclamation of the difference that Jesus makes. And the public means it's in your mouth and you open it and it comes out. That's preaching, right? It's not just this, what I'm doing right now. It means sharing, opening your mouth, 
and sharing. And then it goes on further. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This was written by Paul in the New Testament. And Paul was somebody who knows all about life on the other side. Because he's like all of us. His sin had cut him off from relationship with Jesus as well. In fact, in the first century in which he lived, he made it his life mission to squash the Christian church. He came on the scene after Jesus had come and died and he knew who he was and he had ascended back into heaven and the new Christians were getting churches started and people were coming to know Christ and they were learning about how to move from the death to to the life that God brings through Christ. And Paul's job was to squash the movement. It was to persecute Christians. It actually was to hunt them down. But his destiny changed because Jesus literally stopped him in his tracks. And so he made his life's purpose to know God and, and to make him known and to share the difference that Jesus made in his life. And so when Paul writes that, this was not somebody who grew up with Christians all around him. He, he despised Christianity. He despised Jesus. But his life was changed and his destiny was changed. And so they, they, what he's saying in, in Romans there is, if it is true that you've experienced life and you've moved from one side to the other, the only way that people will know is if you tell them. Again, it's not intuitive. They have to be told. And so Paul's life w- was about that. There's another scripture that he shares kind of his, his life purpose statement in Acts twenty twenty four, And this is what he says. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the, for the finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Again, for him to say that is a complete different U-turn from the life that he was living. So there's tremendous hope there. Because despite all he had done, and I mean, he had people, by his hands, he had had people killed for their faith in Jesus. But God saved him. And this became his life's purpose. To help people come to know Christ. To tell people about the difference that he made in Paul's own life. That was what his, his life was all about. So I want to just talk briefly about how, how could Paul's destiny change? Well, as he was persecuting Christians, he was actually on his way to a city called Damascus. And he found out that there were some Christians there. And he thought, well, I'm going to, with permission of the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, I'm going to go and take a team and we're going to hunt them down. On his way, a bright light and Jesus audibly talked to him. And his life forever changed. He turned his life over to Jesus and surrendered everything to him. And he began to start churches and began to lead people to Christ and share the difference that he made. And really, we're here today because of much of the work that Paul did 2,000 years ago, the spread of Christianity. But in his time, he, he lost his life ultimately for his faith. And he was imprisoned and he was beaten. But he was willing to do it because he believed that life on this side with God 
far exceeds life on that side, even with the beatings, even with the imprisonment, even with death. Because life on this side without God is nothing compared to life with God. And he believed that. And so in his time of being persecuted and being arrested, he actually had an opportunity to share with high up ranking officials and leaders. There's one time where he's able to share with King Agrippa, who's the king of Judea. This is, you know, this is a very important person. And, and he's thinking, you know, I have an opportunity to share the difference that Jesus has made. And so I want to share this briefly because it frames really what the hope is for Christians, what we should want to see God do in the lives of people around us. And you see it in, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians. If you could put that on the screen, the next scripture there. And he's kind of explaining how Jesus got his attention. And he says, and I said, and he's talking to King Agrippa, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So he's in the middle of this story. This bright light hit him. He's knocked over his horse and he's like, whoa, okay, something's going on. Who, who are you? I am Jesus, whom, whom you're persecuting. You can go on. But rise and stand upon your feet. This is Jesus talking to Paul. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Keep going. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And I want to just focus on that very briefly. So Jesus gets Paul's attention, gets his attention and says, your life was about your own way, your own success, your own works, your own religion. Now your life's going to be about me. What I want you to do is I want you to share who I am to all those that you come across because of this. Because I want them to experience light out of the darkness. I want them to experience God instead of bondage to the enemy. So this picture right here is a picture of hope that we're given. And this is the same hope that we are to extend all those in our life. And so I want to close out with just what this means for us. If God wants to see this happen in the lives of people, which he does because he made us and he wants to have a relationship with us, if he wants us to experience this life, what do we do? Well, the plan is what this message is entitled. That means we have to invest and we have to invite. We have to invest in those that God's placed in our life and we have to invite them into our life as well. Because if people can only find out about Jesus by somebody telling them, who in your life does God want you to share with about? If that's true, then there's people that God has put in your life that he wants you to share with. And if you're not a Christian yet and you're like, wow, this is kind of different. This is what Christianity is about. Again, it's about knowing God and then you help people come to know him. The reason that's important is if it's true, isn't that the greatest news then? Isn't that the most important thing to move from death to life spiritually? So since that is true for the Christian who believes it, then it's the greatest news that could ever be shared with anyone. And so the plan to, to invest, there's three different ways, and there's some blanks there on your, your handout. You can connect, you can discover, 
and you can respond. This is what Jesus did. The way you, you invest in people is you, you connect with them. You actually look to engage in relationships with non-Christians. People are on the other side. Now, we can insulate ourselves in our life and we can hang out with mostly Christians, but that's not actually the life that God wants us to live. It's both. We need to hang out with Christians and encourage each other and be in group life like Ben talked about. But at the same time, we need to be connecting with non-Christians because we're looking back on the other side, pleading with people to come from death to life. So you need to connect. You need to discover Part of meeting non-Christians is then you need to find out who they are and you, you begin to get to know people and you ask questions. This is how you love them. Discover who they are. What are their needs? And then as you're doing that, you're always thinking, how can I share about the difference that Jesus makes? How can I share about the difference Jesus made in my life? And that's the response. As I discover their needs, as I discover who they are, how can I share about Jesus? And what I learned in Thailand is I think so many times as Christians, we put so many barriers that exist even more than the barriers that are there. And in a conversation with somebody, how long do you need to know them before you share about Jesus? That's a question I'm asking. And I know in my own mind, I think I set this certain time frame that I think is probably way longer than needs to happen. Because sometimes it's fear. And sometimes it's pride because I really care what people will think. Sometimes I just don't want to bother people. But again, is it bothering them when you're looking at them on the other side, knowing that the cliff that they're on is crumbling? Right? So the response is the gospel. So as Christians, we should be looking every day. How can I share the gospel? And the gospel is that the cliffs, Jesus bridging the gap between the two. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Moving from death to life. So you connect with non-Christians. You discover who they are. What they're looking for. And then you respond how what they're looking for is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing to invest. And the second is to invite. Part of what happens as you're investing in people is you need to invite them into your life. So to invest, you need to Meet non-Christians. It's not just enough to meet them. You need to think, how can, I, how can I begin to get to know them and invite them into who I am? So some ideas, and they're just blanks there. These are just ideas. Host a meal at your house and invite somebody that you know doesn't know God to come. Isn't that just, does that kind of freak you out a little bit? Like if you're honest with yourself, like, well, I'm going to have to invite a neighbor. Like I, we've not really had a conversation into my home. Do you realize like our homes are fortresses these days, right? Like you park in your garage and you have a door from the garage to the home. So as soon as you shut the garage, no one can see you. We don't have porches. We're in Cal. What's a porch? And if we do, we're not going to go out there, right? So we've lived in these fortresses where we have life on the side with God, but we're not intersecting with all those that don't. Christians, we live different. So it means initiating and inviting and investing in people that like may think you're weird because you're doing that. But that's okay. 
Because ultimately, does somebody want to be invited over for a free meal? I mean, it depends on your cooking, but (laughs) you could do takeout, right? Like this is doable. We just don't think like this. Why? Because we're not thinking death to life. We're thinking busy life. Consumed life. Distracted life, right? So you, you, you can invite. Did you know, this is like an inside, just secret. What we do at Church in the Valley, for the most part, when we do events, it's for non-Christians. If you didn't know that, that's like earth shattering. Now you know. But we actually don't want to do a Coffee Connect for us. I love coffee, but I could go across the street and just do that with you guys for a lot cheaper. The reason we do a Coffee Connect is because we want people to come and be invited by the people that you're inviting and experience a group of Christians that actually goes against the idea that they have. Like we're normal. That's a win. When we do events, no, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. When we do events, we want non-Christians to come and think they are normal. That's a win. But can that save them? No. They need to know not only are we normal, but we have Life. And the life is found in Jesus. And so we do groups because we want people to know him and to make him known. We do harvest parties because we want people to know him and make him known. Everything we do is so people can cross over from death to life. This is what it's all about. So you have some blanks. How can you invite people that don't know God into your life, how could you invite them to church? People won't come if they're not invited. They're not going to barge into your house. They're not going to ask you, can you let me know about the difference? Something made in your life that I don't know about? They have to be told. And they're told in a relationship with people that love them. So I wanted to share this with you today because this is something that's really on my heart. And I myself, I'm challenged by this as well. This morning I was working. I work across the street at Starbucks every Sunday morning. And as I was sitting there, I was looking at the people in Starbucks. And I was thinking, which side are they on? And the only way I know is if I engage in conversation So I'm beginning, I'm just beginning to pray myself, God, will you help me to have conversations with people who don't know you? Because if this is real, the stakes are really high. And there's people that God has placed in my life, and there's people that God wants my path to cross with that need to hear this. And what I'm sharing, this is not easy. It's going to cost you. This is why we're here. And you need courage. And you need boldness. And you need resources that you do not have. And that's why Christians are the ones who do this. Because we can only do it with the resources that God gives in a relationship with him. So you have your quiet time. You have experiences with God, not just for you. Because he wants you to know him and he wants you to make him known.
This is why we're here. So I encourage you, who can you invest and who can you invite with? I'm going to have the ushers real briefly pass out some invest and invite cards that I want you just to, to fill out. This is for your own life. This is just so you can think through three people that you could invest and invite with in your own life. These could be neighbors. These could be family. These could be friends. If you're like me, if we don't actually think specifically, we think generally. And if we think generally, we don't do anything. So you can think specifically of how you can invest. You can think specifically of, of what you can do to invite them to. But you also have to think specifically of who. And so those cards right there are the who. Who is it? And if you don't know any non-Christians, put three question marks and pray that God will allow you to fill those. But I just encourage you, take that card, fill it out, and begin to pray that God will allow us as individuals, as as a church, to invest and to invite in those around us. I'm going to pray. There's some next steps on your connection card. I'm out of time, but you can, you can take those today. Certainly filling out that card is one of them. Uh, we're going to receive our offering in just a moment. So if you've not yet finished filling that out, uh, you can do that as the, the offering bucket comes by. Let's pray. God, it is... It's sobering to think about what you have done to have a relationship with us. And God, we we thank you that you have initiated and allowed us to move. For those that follow you from from death to life. God, may we not take that for granted. And may we look back and see all those that you've placed in our life that are longing to experience the life that they can have in you. That is the main thing. That is what it's all about. So God, in our busyness, in our schedules, in our agendas and goals, Help us to see the people that you've placed in our life. Help us not to just see the tasks, but to see the people. So God, I pray this year through our church, there will be people that will commit their lives to follow you. There will be people that move from death to life. God, I pray that you will use us in boldness and courage to share the good news of Jesus Christ. God, I pray this next week that you will bring people in our life specifically for this purpose. God, give us eyes to see. We ask it. You'll do this in your name and for your honor. We pray. Amen.